Test one, test one. Y'all hear me? All right. <clears throat> well, good evening. Uh, my name is Josh Noy, and I've been going here for about three years. My wife and I have uh, two little boys, Nathaniel and Josiah, and one more on the way uh, come the end of January. So God has been very good and blessed us. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to share the word with you this evening. Um, this evening I'm going to be speaking from uh, Ephesians 2, and I'm going to be talking about a subject that God has really placed on my heart to share. It's something that he has touched my life with, and I know that he's touched your hearts with this same thing. So before we get started, I'll pray, and we'll get into this text. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I just ask that uh, the Holy Spirit would direct me. I just ask, Lord, that uh, hearts would be opened and uh, ears as well, Lord, to, to hear what you would have them say. Lord, these are uh, your words, not mine. I just ask, Lord, that you would do uh, what you do best. And Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. It's through Jesus that I ask these things. Amen. All right. So would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is the text. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one, none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You guys may be seated. So I'm going to be jumping around uh, various passages, but the main chunk of what we're going to be looking at is out of Ephesians here. What is grace, and why do we need grace? In Ephesians 2, as we just read in verse 4 and 5, it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Chuck Swindoll describes grace this way. He says, grace is God's favor shown to those of us who don't deserve it, cannot earn it, and will never be able to repay it. Grace or God's favor sounds really good, and it is good, but why do we need it? We can really only understand our need for God's grace when we understand our sin nature. Let's take a look back at the beginning of the text 
Ephesians 1 through 3 says that once we were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. We used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. We obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So we were spiritually dead, not alive to the things of God. Um, we, we did our own thing. We were disobedient to God, but obedient to Satan, what he wanted us to do. We passionately followed our own desires and the things that we wanted to do, going for all the gusto that we could get, living life for now, having fun, living it up. And under, because of that, we're subject to God's wrath. At the end of verse 3, Paul says, we live this way just like everyone else. How many of us thought that we were not as bad as our peers, some of our peers or others that we knew? You know, we didn't go out and party like they did or go on the town on the weekends like they did. But somehow we were, we were, we were still better than them. I'm sure I, I had those thoughts and I'm sure a lot of you had as well. But in Romans 3.23 it says that for everyone is sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And because we fall short of that standard and we sin, in Romans 6.23 it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of that sin, that nature, those things that we surrender to is death. The reason that we need God's grace is we are sinners facing a penalty of death. Without God's grace, we are doomed to live an eternal life without Christ. So I'm going to go on to point two here. Grace that is greater than our past. Continuing on out of Ephesians, it's, uh, verse two through uh, verse five, it says, You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil and the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passion, desires, and inclinations of our sinful nature. But uh, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in his mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that we've been saved. So, is brother, is brother George here this evening? There you are. How many years have you been saved? Yeah, how many years have you been saved? <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, quite a few. How many, do we have any over 50 years of salvation? 85? 85 years of salvation. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. That, that is God's grace right there. But I want us to think back to before we were saved. What was your life like? What, was it, what were our lives like before salvation came? Was your life characterized by disobedience to God? You'd kind of do what you wanted. You followed your own way. Living for the gratification of now. Living for the gratification of your flesh. I can also tell you that I did many of these things as well. I did some stupid things as well, and it's only by God's grace and goodness that I'm alive, let alone standing here. If you don't believe me, you can ask my folks or my wife. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's by God's grace that you're here as well. Um, it's only by his grace that not only that you're here in this congregation, but 
that you're saved, or I hope you are saved. Think back to what your life was like, and it's really only by God's goodness and grace that you're here, that you're here in relationships with, with Christ and with his believers and in this church. Going back to verse 4, at the end of this 4, it says, He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead, and it's only by grace that you've been saved. Did you guys know that God's grace is greater than your past? As evidence of your sitting here. That his grace is greater than the things that you were involved in. That the life that you lived. That the slavery that you were in before, before grace. His grace is greater. On April 28th of 2020, so last year. A man somewhere between the age of 88 and 91 died. He was born into a violent stone age culture. And in his own words he describes the way he lived. We lived angry, hating, and killing for no reason. But as God would have it, a small group of dedicated men and their families sought to make contact with this man and his tribe. Their ultimate goal was to share the love of Christ. But as fate would have, or as God would have it, these five missionaries did in fact make contact, but were savagely speared to death soon after on a river sandbar in 1956. After this had happened, the news broke to the world that these brave men had been savagely killed. Their families, however, realizing that the mission of sharing the good news of Christ had not yet been fulfilled, decided to stay and live with these men who had savagely killed their husbands. As God would have it, they won these men to the Lord. One of these men was greatly used and later on had a movie written about or made about him. This man's name was Midkayani. The Lord used this man who subsequently killed Nate Saint's father, or excuse me, uh, Steve Saint's father, Nate. Uh, he later went on to become Steve's spiritual father, not only becoming his spiritual father, but also baptizing Steve's own kids in the same river where he had years prior killed their grandfather. If that's not grace, I don't know what is. There are many stories throughout the Bible of God's grace. Excuse me. Went back a couple pages too far. Uh, there are many stories about God's grace written throughout the word. Abraham and Sarah, their lives were marked with disbelief and disobedience, yet God remained faithful to his promise. Moses, he committed murder, was stubborn and doubtful, yet God faithfully walked with him and used him in a mighty way. We remember the trials that God brought uh, Joseph through, but we forget that despite his brother's many, many flaws, God used them and made them into a great nation. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 17 says that he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating, or evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now and how true is that, that before Christ, 
we had maybe a picture of a good guy, a great teacher, you know, a historical figure. And how true is that that after receiving Christ, we look at him totally different. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Because of the cross, you have a past and because of the cross, you have a future. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. My third point is that God not only gives us grace and over, his grace overcomes our past, but his grace is sufficient for today. We are saved by grace through faith and are justified because of Jesus. But I want to be clear that though this grace that we live in uh, excuse me, I want to be clear, though, that this grace that we live in does not give us license to do what we please. Paul addresses this in Romans 6, 1 through 3. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus, in baptism, we joined him in his death? We must not take advantage of or cheapen this great grace. In Romans 6, 12 through 14, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sins, uh, excuse me, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have eternal, or you now have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. William Cooper, a poet and hymn writer in the mid-1700s, puts it like this. No strength of nature can suffice to serve the Lord of right. And what she has, she misapplies for what, for want of clearer light. How long beneath the law I lay in bondage and distress. I toiled the precept to obey, but toiled without success. Then to abstain from outward sin was more than I could do. Now if I feel its power within, I feel I hate it too. Then all my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise now freely chosen in the sun, what shall I do? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now freely chosen in the sun, I freely choose his ways. What shall I do was then the word that I, might, that I may worthier grow. What shall I render to the Lord is my inquiry now. This is a poem that I hadn't really heard of, but this last part of this poem I'm going to read really got my attention. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into a choice. Because of God's grace, we now choose freely to obey him and live out our Christian walk. Before Christ, we tried to measure up to Christ. By God's grace, he saved us. We don't have to try anymore. But because of his grace, we serve him freely.
So God, through the Holy Spirit, not only gives us the desire to do his will, but he also enables us to do it. In Philippians 2, uh, verse 13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God's grace is enough to cover our past, and God's grace is enough to help us now. My fourth point, grace for the future. Ephesians 2, verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Not only does God's grace cover our past, not only is it sufficient for the now, but it's also sufficient for our future. Because of God and what he did on the cross, we can have hope of an eternity with him. So as a recap and in conclusion, what is grace and why do we need it? Grace is God's unmerited favor to us who don't deserve it. We can never repay it. We need it because we're sinners in need of a Savior. We know from the Word of God that all have sinned and fall short of His glory. We also know that the wages of our sin is death. So without God's grace shown to us through Jesus, we're doomed. Grace is greater than our past. God's grace can carry us through our past and free us from our life before that. It's also enough for today. God's grace also carries us through the future. Because of the cross, we have a past, and because of the cross, we also have a future. Have you accepted his grace offered to you through Jesus? The word says that God desires that no one should perish, but that all come to repentance. To those of us who have experienced this grace and received it, what has this grace done in your life? How has it changed your life? Are you sharing it with those around you? Are you living in grace? Maybe there's those in your life that need to experience grace. Maybe there's people that need you to give them grace. For those that may not have experienced this grace, God has extended it to you through Jesus Christ, His Son. God made a way for you. Excuse me. <clears throat> The Lord has made a way for you. If God's grace is sufficient to save you, His grace is sufficient to carry you through whatever you're going through. Whatever you're going through today, whatever you may face tomorrow, God's grace is sufficient. Thank you.